Childbirth is a profound time for women, biologically, socially, and psychologically. And all women that give birth experience that. But for the 10 to 15% that develop postpartum depression, there is something else going on. On this episode of the American Scientist podcast, a new pharmaceutical treatment for postpartum depression and using the tools of precision medicine to develop tailored treatments for the future. I'm Robert Frederick. When physician scientist Samantha Meltzer Brody began collaborating with a small biotech startup, it was with modest expectations. She was curious if the pharmaceutical the biotech company was developing would have any effect at all on perinatal depression. I don't think any of us thought we would see the robust response that we did. That was, you know, quite an amazing surprise. Meltzer Brody is a perinatal psychiatrist who studies postpartum depression at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. She served as the academic principal investigator for the study of the pharmaceutical through its phase three clinical trials. Recently, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved the drug, called Rexanolone, which is administered over the course of 60 hours at a certified medical center. It is expected to be on the market starting this June 2019. So it's been a real step forward, I think, for our understanding of the pathophysiology of depression and is the first drug specifically for postpartum depression. It's a, I think, great progress for women's mental health. And it may also be a way forward for treating depression more broadly. That's still to be determined by the wider research and medical community now that the drug has FDA approval. Meltzer Brody will be focused on an ongoing genome-wide association study about postpartum depression. So these are women that suffered considerably. This is doing a lifetime assessment because it's, you're looking at DNA. And you're really able to examine women that it was really profound time in their lives. Meltzer Brody spoke with me after a talk she gave on applying the tools of precision medicine, tools like genome-wide association studies, to understanding perinatal depression. Here's our interview, which I began by asking whether all forms of postpartum depression are the same. Postpartum depression is not a one-size-fits-all kind of label. What's really important in our work has shown is understanding the timing of onset so for many women, the postpartum period is a time they come in high contact with healthcare providers or certainly all of pregnancy too. And when we screen someone for postpartum depression at four to six weeks postpartum, we really need to understand, do the symptoms start then? Do they start in pregnancy? Is this someone that's been depressed 20 years? These are really important issues to understand because it's critical for developing the most effective treatment plan. What is the newest treatment plan available? Over the last week, there has been a lot of excitement about the approval of Brexanolone, Zolreso, which is a new intravenous medication for the treatment of postpartum depression. I've served as the academic PI, and our team at UNC participated in the initial open-label study through the phase three clinical trials. So this is a new mechanism of action. It's a positive allosteric modulator of GABA-A. And it is a proprietary formulation of allopregnanolone. So it's been a real step forward, I think, for our understanding of the pathophysiology of depression and is the first drug specifically for postpartum depression. It's a, I think, great progress for women's mental health. When you started this study, was your goal creating a new drug? 
When we had the opportunity to do an open label study with a proprietary formulation of allopregnanolone, we went into it wondering if we would see any kind of signal. And so I think we had very modest expectations. We were collaborating with a small biotech startup, Sage Therapeutics, who had a handful of people working at that time. They'd been studying this drug in treatment refractory status epilepticus. But because of the hormone hypothesis of postpartum depression and allopregnanolone being known in preclinical work for really having potentially a significant role, both as a positive allosteric modulator of GABA, but in preclinical studies showing that increasing allo decreased depressive symptoms, we were curious. And I think we went into it with curiosity and wondering if we would see a signal. I don't think any of us thought we would see the robust response that we did. That was, you know, quite an amazing surprise. The hormone hypothesis being? Well, the hormone hypothesis has been that the rising and falling hormones, estrogen, progesterone, during pregnancy and then that fall very quickly postpartum happens in all women that give birth. That's normal physiology. But there's been work over the years, including by David Rubino and colleagues initially at the NIH, which showed that in vulnerable women, you know, the question is, why are they vulnerable women? But in vulnerable women, this rise and fall can precipitate depression for reasons that have been unclear. You know, what exactly is about that makes someone vulnerable or more sensitive to the hormonal fluctuations? And is it genetic underpinnings, which has been a source of our research? Is it dysregulation of the HPA axis, which can be impacted by early life trauma and adversity? Is it, you know, dysregulation of GABA? So it's something that there's been a lot of work around, but until now and with this drug, I think it really has sort of opened up a whole new line of research in, in probing this. And I I'm, think it will spawn some really interesting new work that will increase our understanding of not just postpartum depression, but depression more broadly. So a kind of precision medicine being applied to something that is typically thought of as a mental health disorder, the domain of psychiatry. What is it about postpartum depression that makes applying the tools of precision medicine, precision psychiatry, a good choice? I think that postpartum depression in the perinatal period is such a rich time. There's enormous amount of biopsychosocial things going on for all women. So you have all the biologic changes, the hormonal change, the immunologic change, along with the transformation in people's lives of becoming a parent, the physical demands of birthing, the rearrangement in family dynamics. So it's just a profound time. And all women that give birth experience that. But for the 10 to 15% that develop postpartum depression, there is something else going on. And to the extent that for some women, we know one of the greatest risk factors is previous history of depression. So why people are more vulnerable to that. We know that people that have early life trauma and perhaps dysregulation of the HPA axis that is persistent for people that have dysregulation perhaps of GABA, for people that are particularly sensitive to hormonal fluctuations. So I think that it is a really rich area for understanding the heterogeneity and really trying to develop tailored treatments. It also, I think, is a very impactful time. And, and one reason I've loved working in this area is that you're not just 
treating mom. You are also treating mom, baby, and family. So it's something that has multi-generational effects and has always felt particularly meaningful. Precision medicine, precision psychiatry, seems like it would be something that would require a lot of data. Where would all that data come from? Just one hospital that you work in? or So we have realized that you need to have really large sample sizes to understand genetic signature, for example, and a lot of you know big data team science has been required to move the field forward in our understanding of many things. In postpartum depression, we've been working with a team, including Dr. Patrick Sullivan, an internationally known psychiatric geneticist at UNC, and Jerry Guintavano and others, to understand the genetic signature of postpartum depression. And we were able to partner with Apple using their research kit to study postpartum depression by recruiting women via an app-based study, and then to ask women who had a positive clinical history to contribute a DNA sample using a spit kit. And we were overwhelmed when we launched this in 2016 with the iOS version of having 10,000 people respond in a month, and then have subsequently expanded to an Android version, a Spanish-speaking version in the U.S., and then other countries have joined in. But it's resulted in us having thousands of DNA samples that are now being genotyped to allow us to work together with colleagues around the world for a large-scale GWAS, Genome-Wide Association Study of Postpartum Depression, that we really needed the app-based samples to hopefully be at a place where we can investigate this. And we won't know until you know, the analysis is completed. But I think it has been an exciting way to really do a population-based outreach. And we've had women participate from all 50 states for the study in ways that if you were just recruiting locally, you would never be able to do. Any concerns about self-selection bias? Well, certainly women who desire to participate, what we know is that they had more severe symptoms than you see if you just do, you know, a typical rating scale used as the Edinburgh postpartum depression scale and scores of greater than 12 are consistent with major depressive episode. The mean EPDS score of women that participated in the app was 23. So I think you're getting women with more severe symptoms. That's actually convenient if you're trying to do a genetic study. So these are women that suffered considerably. This is doing a lifetime assessment because it's you're looking at DNA. And you're really able to examine women that it was really profound time in their lives. I mean, birth is profound. Women remember if they had postpartum depression. And you're getting people who it was significant enough, and I think the suffering was significant, that they felt it was worth their time and effort to participate in an app-based study. In marrying these two avenues of research, the idea then is to suggest to women who are about to give birth that they might be at higher risk for postpartum depression and to proactively suggest a treatment for them? Well, I think the goal of the genetic study is to understand the genetic signature, which can allow you to do lots of things. It helps you understand the pathophysiology different. It may lead to what we would call prospective identification, so understanding who may be genetically at risk, which then could alter the way you approach monitoring and treatment during pregnancy and postpartum period. It may open up new ways of treating the disorder. So I think it just, until you understand the biology, you're really just throwing jello at the wall. And I think that 
I like to use the breast cancer example because our understanding of different receptor subtypes has led to enormous advances in how breast cancer is treated and survival rates. So offering the same treatment to everyone that comes in did not work out so well. And I think we have to apply that paradigm to how we think about psychiatry in general and to postpartum depression. When can we re expect results? Well, the, the large-scale GWAS is sort of happening now, so I think the results would probably be in the next year is the hope. So we're excited about that. And again, it's a, a team, Patrick Sullivan, Jerry Guintavano, and colleagues around the world collaborating on this large-scale effort. It's exciting, though, to be at a place where we can take this next step. Samantha Meltzer-Brody, thank you very much. Oh, thanks so much for the opportunity to talk. Samantha Meltzer-Brody is a perinatal psychiatrist who studies postpartum depression at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Online at americanscientist.org, find an accompanying blog post to this podcast and a transcript. You've been listening to a podcast from American Scientist magazine, published by Sigma Xi, the Scientific Research Honor Society. I'm Robert Frederick. Thanks for joining us.